Hello, and welcome to Faith Facts with Father Howard. I'm Lindsay, here with Father Howard, and on today's episode, we are discussing the prophets. So let's get started. Actually, it's good to be with you, Lindsay. And, and in a way, when I looked at the title of this, The Prophets, it's it's really, in a way, misrepresents part of what we're going to be talking about because when we hear the word prophets, we really do think about, you know, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Isaiah, the prophets. But when the Bible speaks of the, you know, prophetic language, prophetic books and such, it's, it's a much broader term, uh, similar to when they, you know, they talk about the, the Pentateuch, you know, which we did just recently is that it's it's really about though it's it's been split up into different books it's about a breadth of of literature that really over time hundreds of years was ultimately put together and and we have come to know it as the pentateuch and and sadly in many ways some of the meaning of what that was what that meant what that indicated what that really the breadth of what it entailed um, has been lost on us, and and that's that's our loss, you know. When you think about it, in a similar way, it's it's uh, when we talk about the the prophets. When you look at the and going back just a, a speck, you look at the the issue that the the Jewish tradition really broke the what we know as the Old Testament down into three major categories. You had the law, which was the foundation of of virtually everything. Then you had the second group of that was the prophets. But included in that, you had Joshua, Judges, First uh, and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings, uh, plus the prophets, per se, individually the prophets, the major ones and the minor ones. And then, which we're going to talk about, you know, next time or in a time, is that they had the writings or the wisdom, much of the wisdom literature, which entailed, you know, not just specific books like Ecclesiastes or Proverbs or those kinds of things, but the Song of Songs. It included Esther. It included Job. It included Chronicles. All of this kind of was grouped together as a kind of wisdom literature. But today we're going to look at the prophets. And as I mentioned, uh, also I just just uh, another comment. I had received a, a note. Uh, when after the uh, the one concerning the origins of the Bible, sure. and uh, the person uh, you know the person responds to what I had said, and and, and li after listening, I guess is that they said, well, I'm trying to take God out of the picture. I am trying to show that that God really had nothing to do with the Bible, that it was all made up by humans and such, and and really quite the contrary. I think that it's a it's a far stretch, you might say. Everything we know about God and, and, and everything that we have come to learn about God, that somehow, whether in a dream or or through AirPods or however, you know, someone wants to do this, that somehow God was dictating everything that was to be written down. That to me is a stretch and and I don't I guess I would not find that to be as divinely, you might say, inspired, as much as when you think about all of the people that have been part of, you know, what we had talked about with the origins and, and 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 with you know with some of with many of these books and such, is that you have people 
who are saintly and some who are god-awful. Stories about each that in the midst of all of that human messiness, in the midst of all of that human experience, is that you have nothing less, as people have come to discern it, nothing less than the hand of God, the voice of God speaking to us. That, to me, is much more divinely inspired than, than if somehow it were being dictated in someone's ear and, and you know, it's saying, okay, page one, Genesis. And so I, just as, as a bit of a response to that, because it, it might be perceived, you know, as, as I reflect a bit with some of the information and some of the best, you know, uh, scripture study information that we have out there is that somehow I'm trying to take God out of the picture when quite the contrary. It's like this is nothing less than, than the divine being placed at the center of the picture. And we find this again, you might say, as we talk about, you know, we talked about the Pentateuch, but now as we talk about what is perceived as prophet literature, the books of prophets and such. And I guess just to tack on to that, I always think, you know, obviously the the disciples and everybody is they were such a small group and to have this store these stories and writings and and history come through two thousand four thousand years i mean some there's truth in there oh absolutely and i think that's that's why the bible in so many ways has had an influence not on just on christianity or you know on on judaism is that the Bible's influence has been worldwide. It, you know, and it has, it has touched cultures, you know, a, a, across the globe. And, you know, when you look at different literature, and, and we'll talk a little bit about this today, but you look at not only, you know, where the Bible has borrowed literature for, for thousands of years, is that uh, other cultures, other religious traditions, uh, whether Christian or not, they have taken, you know, from the Bible all sorts of wisdom that has been found there. And that's why when you think about this, the Bible itself is really a reflection, you might say. And each of us, you also could say, we would write, we could write our own Bible. If you took, someone took the story of our lives and really wrote down all of the different experiences that we had, the stories that were part of connected when we were children, when we were, you know, where we grew up, how we grew up, parents, family, jobs, all of that. And then you put it together with how we are, you know, how God was part of all of that, how we discovered things about God, how we maybe ranted and raved at God, maybe we we thanked God, maybe we we begged God for for the for the life of a loved one. It's like writing our own Bible. When you take the Bible, it's about the human relationship with God and God's relationship with the human being. It's that it covers all of the emotions, everything from bad, good, and indifferent, everything from the beautiful to the ugly. It takes all of that into consideration and it says, my goodness, what these people experienced, what these people discovered about not only themselves, but also discovered about God and, and, and God's you know, impact on them and how God, where they couldn't necessarily see God at first, how they came to realize 
years later and maybe decades later, maybe centuries later, you know, as people reflected, that they saw God in a whole new way that they simply couldn't have at the time. Maybe they were too angry. Maybe they were too sad. Maybe they were running for their lives from a band of marauders who wanted to run spears through their guts, as I've said before, is that who knows, but yet in the midst of it all, as they have reflected on it, in the midst of all of that human experience and God experience, they've recognized and identified and, and come to rec realize God was there all along. God was there all along. Mm -hmm. Just couldn't see it at the time. That really, in a way, is what the, the prophetic literature helps us to see, you mean, as we, as we look at this. So when I talk about the, the, the prophets or the books of, of the prophets, it's not just, like I said, Isaiah, Ezekiel, Jeremiah, Hosea, Amos, and, and those folks. But it also includes Joshua, Judges, uh, Samuel, who was one of the you know, key prophets, you know, uh, right as he established uh, the, the kingdom, the, the, the king. Uh, you have the first and second kings. You have, uh, you have Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel. And you have the minor prophets uh, that, that kind of get thrown in there because there's bits and pieces of wisdom, not a lot, because they're very usually very short. But somehow that piece of literature was snatched from somewhere, somehow, by someone that thought, wow, this, this would be, this is important for us to learn. And so when you do begin to look at this whole process, you realize that Though they, these books have often been treated as separate books, you know, and you read them one at a time. And, and actually, it's some, as a kid, I, again, I go back as a child, some of that stuff was pretty cool stuff because, you know, whereas people had video games today about all sorts of things, I mean, there was violence, there was love, there was intrigue, there, was, there were plots, there was murder, there was spies, there was, you know, all of this stuff that I, as a young boy, really loved because, you know, it just... <laughs> kind of, you know, captured your imagination. Oh, absolutely. Is that though we tend to look at them separately, is that really when you think about it, is they really are an entity, uh, a singular entity, a, a continuous story that really starts with Genesis and ends with Second Kings. Is that when you start, when you begin with Genesis, it, it's one is built upon the other similar to the cohesiveness when you really look at the Pentateuch and similar to the cohesiveness there is that the prophetic literature is really then you know a continuation of that and when you begin to realize that this really is um, these are our our stories and, and 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 reflections and such that have been gleaned over you know hundreds of years of oral tradition is that you begin to see this is why Genesis expresses it this way and this is why First King expresses it this way. This is why you know the importance of the law in Deuteronomy is that how that comes through in the way things are written. And you begin to understand when people say, oh my, you know, that, that judges and kings, and they're such violent books, such violent books, and, and God just comes across as, you know, as this terrible, terrible dictator or, or, or taskmaster, is that go back to Genesis and you figure out why. <laughs> you know, go back to Deuteronomy and you figure out why. 
and 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 that shows in so many ways this cohesiveness that really is carried through literally from Genesis all the way to the end of Kings. So you have a lot of information that is there. The whole complex of the books uh, was put together. They figure uh, all of these books, you know, literally from beginning to the end of Kings, was put together sometime after uh, the exile in the 500s. Is that these um, these books were were uh, you know really regrouped because. After the, the, the exile of the Babylonian exile in 587, uh, what you have is that they needed to basically step back once they've been taken from the city. They need to step back and saying, what the heck just happened? How did we get here? How could this have happened to us when we had the promise of Genesis, when we had the promise on Sinai, when we had the promise to David, how did it ever come to this? And they answer that question. And it's looking at that, um, and I'm not going to tell you right now. Oh, man. Yeah. But they look at this. You're going to tell us to read, aren't you? I, I, probably, yeah. <laughs> that they, When they look at all of this, they're saying, you know, we need, we need to sort this through and this is how we're going to do that. So many of these, the whole, the storylines and such, it was shortly after the exile in 587 BC, after the Babylonian exile. The books are often referred to as, you know, when we look at these books, again, which include Judges and, and Joshua and, and Samuel and Kings, oftentimes they are referred to as, they, as the Deuteronomistic History, the Deuteronomistic mm-hmm. history. Say that ten history. times yes. fast. And the reason it's called that, it's because it came out of the Deuteronomic school. The D source, as yes. we talked yes. about, you know, with, with J, D, Y, and E, is that it came out of the Deuteronomic school. And the school, uh, the school that, that this comes out of, the Deuteronomic school, um, has a particular has particular characteristics, I should say, of, of how they put things together. Is that uh, you have a looking back. These are kind of just, you have the looking back. Uh, where have we come from? Now remember, this is shortly after the exile, which would make sense. How did we get here? Where have we come from? A looking forward. Where do we go from <laughs> here? You know, where do we go from here? Um, you have the element of, you know, obedience to the law, that is so key. And that happens to be a, a real key piece of, of, of how the, the Deuteronomic school thought is that what was essential was obedience to the law. Not the kingdom, not the kingship, not the prophet, not, it was obedience to the law that was going to get you where you needed to be. And if you obeyed the law, you'll arrive where you want, where God wants you to be. Uh, if you are disobedient to the law, you will be punished. Which again goes back to my comment of, you know, why is it so violent or so whatever? Is basically the question, you know, is answered that because you sinned. Sin brought punishment. Obedience brought reward. 
That was the way of the thinking of the Deuteronomic school. That covers, again, so much of how things are written and why it is written in that particular way. Uh, various sources are used in order to write all of these books. For uh, you have, for, exam for example, you have the book of Jashar. Uh, that is found in, in Joshua and in, in, in 2 Samuel. You have what is called the Book of Chronicles, which is not the Book of Chronicles in the Bible. Mm. It's a different Book of Chronicles that they're referring to. So the authors, as they put this material together, are pulling from different areas, uh, not just you know, uh, you know, Israelite writings or Israelite reflect reflections. They're pulling from you know the cultures that surrounded them, and and we kind of remember that too. Is that these books are not written in a vacuum you know they are they are influenced by cultures by you know uh, uh, latest fads by you know whatever it might be disease whatever it might be in their lives is that you know you think about even our own lives history books will not fail to mention the covid virus whether we like it or not history books will bring that into consideration of how things changed and what were pivotal points because of, of the pandemic that we experience today. This was not lost on the authors of the prophetic writings. The purpose of this whole uh, history was to show that Israel basically deserved the destruction that it experienced. They deserved what they got because of sin. Mm -hmm. They hadn't sinned, life would be different. They sinned, they were toast. And really, so when, when you look at the whole spread of books, this is to reaffirm the belief Israel got what it deserved because they sinned. They failed to follow the covenant. And when you look at the, the books and how they're written, is that you will have, you're doing well, God's blessing you, you're winning all the battles, you have pagan and idol worship, you are sinning, and now you're losing the battles. And I suppose that's where the idea comes from, that if you do something wrong, that's when you get sick or that's when something happens. Exactly. It, it, exactly. And, and, and see, the idea was is that it was, you know, this, was, this was a much bigger concept, but you know, this was so stressed and it is so comes out. Now, now all of the books are like this, but, but for this piece of the history, you know, it is so stressed that sin brought punishment, obedience brought grace. We have not been able to let go of that, you know, even though the wisdom literature that we'll talk about in the future, that the wisdom literature disagrees with that approach in saying that not everything can be simply, you know, put in black and white terms. Mm -hmm. It's an effect. Yes, it, yeah. it's much bigger than that. So you have a um, so if the, the God kept trying, you know, and, and the other piece that we have in this, God keeps trying. He blesses the king. He blesses them with children. He blesses them with victory. He blesses them with peace. He blesses them with good harvest. He does all of this, and they just snub their nose at him time and time again. And, and so he keeps trying to keep them from sinning. They just blow it. <laughs> time and time again. They just blow it. They're human. Um, 
Now, an element of the hope in all of this that really comes through, because when you look at a lot of the, hist uh, the Deuteronomistic history of this piece, is that there is not a lot of hope. I mean, you know, like I said, God just keeps trying and trying, and we just keep failing miserably and miserably and miserably, and sometimes God-awful miserably so. And so, but an element of hope that kind of carries through is the promise of the Davidic kingdom, the promise to David. Um, that really, and even when you look at the promise of David, is that, you know, David actually, you know, was blessed in many ways by God, but David's, the consequence of David's sins, it finally came to roost, you know, on, on, on the family that followed, is that sin has consequences, and that is punishment by God. So even though David kind of, you know, dodged the bullet, you might mm -hmm. say, is that his family did not. Oh, man. Because it sin... to get you no yep, matter what. Absolutely. Sin has consequences. But that promise, though, to David is still a, a one, one thread of hope that comes through this, this history, you know, or a good portion of it, I would say. Obviously, David, you know, uh, was much later, but even the promise of, you know, that some point, somewhere, God's kept, God, God kept the divine promise that there would be a leader that was a, a thread of hope that they could cling to. The, the theology of the Deuteronomistic history is found in the book of Deuteronomy, and that is chapter 4 through chapter 26, verse 19, and it's the requirements of the law. Basically, it's the Decalogue, the Ten Commandments, and, and, and what they explain of how this is to be followed and this is to be lived. Now, remember, even though it's called law, as I had you know, kind of reflected on before, is it really was like the Ten Statements, the Ten Guides. Um, these were the things that, as I had mentioned a little bit, that if you want to be part of our community, here's how we live. We only have one God. And, and so on. Mm -hmm. A key element, though, of, of much of the sinning that was done in this history is the breaking of the commandment of one God. That was first and foremost. You have one God. There shall be no other gods before me. And that is the one aspect of law that was being broken time and time and time again by the kings, by the judges, by the prophets, by whomever, is that time and time again, that was the key law that was broken, hmm. bringing another God. I suppose in. that would make sense, you know, when the quote-unquote pagan rulers or people took over, mm -hmm. that was generally the theory of, you know, multiple God, Greek, Roman. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And you, the thing, you know, and, and it really is found in Ahaz and uh, Jezebel, you know, that whole story. And and the prophet Elijah, whom Jezebel just hated, and and Elijah had no love for her either. And you know this idea that it was during Jezebel's time, particularly in the Northern Kingdom, that the Baal, you know, fertility rites and 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 rituals came into place. Where and it's it's again it was the judgment against the Northern Kingdom. Uh, they fell first to the Assyrians. And, and largely to do, as you know, the scriptures will tell us, it's because 
they they had gone into just such god awful practices you know of human sacrifice uh, all sorts of terrible things that that were part of that and it, it basically you you blew off the first commandment and and that's this is the punishment that you receive and one's usually important number yeah. one yeah number of one anything. it's true um with with as we continue with you know with the the the, the prophet or prophetic uh, material and and this history that that is carried through in in all of this material um, you know again there is this major theme of blessing and curse depending upon obedience or disobedience and as I said you know the the first commandment was I am the Lord your God and that is found basically Deuteronomy Deuteronomy 5 verse 6 and 7 first commandment as you said the number one is, is the key one. Um, virtually all of the stories, and when you look at this material, these are all stories, narratives, stories of, of famous people, stories of families, stories of, of family feuds, stories of all of these, all of these stories. And let's be clear, by stories you don't mean made up, you just no, mean no. like it's a full story about someone. About someone a or someone. a situation, yeah, yes. Yeah, okay. It's that, now, were there little things added here and there? Sure, the of fish course. was this big. Yeah, so big. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, is but with these stories and 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 these reflections, uh, they were all told, you know, from through the lens of obedience to the law, and and that's that's sometimes where, you know, we we can we can find ourselves being tripped up that. You know, though a person may seem to have, you know, may seem to have done everything that God wanted them to do, and yet they did one thing God didn't ask, is that now he's defeated or he's, his entire army is destroyed. And saying, well, that doesn't seem fair. It's not about fairness. The, the, the lens is not fairness. The lens is absolute obedience to the law. That's the lens that these stories are told, through which these stories are told. And, it's, and if, we, if we grasp that, then we recognize that even though this person did all of this wonderful stuff, God told them not to do this. And they did. There's a consequence. The same thing with Moses when he taps the rock. Again, it goes back to, you know, through Sinai. Tap the rock only once, Moses. Only once. You gotta tap it twice, don't you? You just gotta tap it twice. And the consequences, even though you did all of this good, Moses, the consequences you won't enter the promised land. I mean, it goes back to Eden. Don't eat the fruit. Exactly. <laughs> you know, and when you, again, when you look at it through that lens, it all begins to make sense in a whole new way. Because I, I'll, I'll be honest with you, you know, when I used to think that way too, well, Wait a minute. He he just did all of this stuff for God, and now all of a sudden you're going to kick his butt because it's through the lens of absolute obedience to the law. If you obey, you are rewarded. If you don't, you are punished. And once once you 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 grasp that, it starts to all make sense in a whole new way. And that's the prophet section, right? You were saying wisdom's a little different. Wisdom is different. This, this is, is the, the prophet. This okay. is the prophet section and and the Deuteronomistic, you know, history, mm-hmm. which which contains the prophets and such. 
That's the lens. And even the prophets, when you think about what does Isaiah or Jeremiah say or Ezekiel, it's all about be faithful to the covenant. God has done all of this for you. This is what he asks of you now. You fail to do it. Now there is punishment. I mean, I imagine people telling these stories to kids and them being freaked out because I don't want to get punished. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Then be faithful. But again, the moral of this story always be faithful mm -hmm. to the covenant. You're going to be fine if you're faithful to the covenant. The um, when you think about these writers um, in in and in, in how they would have thought and and the and the in the framework, it it goes back to that sense: the word of God. It is the word of God that defines and determines their history. The word of God. It's as simple as that. In their mindset and that is so that is what defines and determines it all and as I, I had alluded to just shortly ago is that all of this this way of thinking is supported and and basically reiterated by the prophets Isaiah Ezekiel Jeremiah Hosea Amos you know all of these prophets basically echo that same mentality be faithful to the covenant and and even when they speak and they make speeches the speeches are calls to come back to covenant living you know to come back to the ways of God to come back to you know to to how it was established from the very beginning and and they they will oftentimes trace the history Moses does this he traces the history the prophets do that they trace the history it all brings them back to the same point of obedience to the law and as I said this is so important because is that when you think about all of these books you know whether it's you know Samuel or Kings or or the Jeremiah or any of these books they're all told not simply from a political or from you know a societal viewpoint they're told from a theological viewpoint this is the theology this is what you need to do. And it usually then always goes back to Deuteronomy. Now, which is, you know, not wouldn't shouldn't be so unusual because it's the Deuteronomic school that, you know, that finally right. put a lot of this together. And so it comes down again, obey God, things go well, disobey, defeat and exile. Case closed. The um so it's it's from this perspective then that um, God would have been perceived as, you know, not only during their time, but would have also been perceived as always violent and punishing. Well, yeah, because we're always sinning. <laughs> you know? True. And, and that's where, you know, you start to look at this and saying, you know, what? but, but that just doesn't make sense. It made sense to them, though. And, and as you had indicated, Lindsay, that you know, we still, so often, we have still come from that. You know, I certainly, growing up, and I've obviously, I've got a few years on you, that growing up, that's really what we heard an awful lot. Mm -hmm. You break the commandment, you go to hell. You don't go to mass, you go to hell. If you do this, you go to hell. Uh, you do this, well, you get punished in purgatory for two or three million years, but otherwise, at least you weren't going to hell. But the idea was is that there was always punishment. Good equaled blessing, sin equaled punishment. 
and and we have in so many ways we had yet until the time of the second council in the 60s we had yet to break away from that sense and i would dare say that in some ways there's a temptation to go back to it one because it's easy you know uh two is that we don't have to really do much work other than just follow the law uh, as opposed to saying, wait a minute, as we'll get you know, with wisdom literature a bit, eh, it's more complex, just more complex. And, and so, but as we grasp this, then, you know, you might say, then the people deserved it. <laughs> you, you know, God yeah. put every, every opportunity in front of them, every opportunity, circumstances, armies, situations, cities, uh, kingdoms, prophets, everything was there put before them for the taking. They chose sin. Now you get punished. You get what you choose. Yeah. So it's um, it's it, it this so this material was not simply about you know we can look at it like telling what happened. Tell me a good story. As I as I mentioned, you know, as a child. Boy, a lot of these stories really captured my imagination. And you know, when you're 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 playing war games or whatever we were doing when we were kids, mm -hmm. you know, with all of that. But it was it was so it was not simply about telling a story. It was about getting a message across to the audience. Please, please be faithful. God wants you to be faithful. God wants you to be blessed. God has been merciful time and time again. But don't mess with God, <laughs> you know? And they wanted to get a message to the... And, and that was, you know, you might say um, another piece of that message of hope. Again, there's not a lot of hope that runs through this material. But certainly one of the final messages was is that God's ready and willing to do whatever it takes. Are you? And will you be faithful and obey the law? Okay. So, One question. Sure. You were saying there's major prophets and minor prophets. Mm-hmm. Who, can you tell Ma us who those are? The major, major prophets would be like uh, Isaiah. Uh, the ones that want, and some of it is because of how much literature that we have. Yeah. And you might say the, for some of them, the political and the theological and temple influence that they had. Um, some were actually from a, a particular, you know, uh, prophetic family. Mm. Others were, you know, born, uh, not born into it. Others were called. For example, uh, Amos tells us that, hey, I was a farmer. That's what I know. I didn't want this job. I don't care about really this, but I was called and I need to be faithful to it. And so uh, some didn't start out as prophets. Others started out, you know, um, even though they felt they were too young, Jeremiah. Uh, I feel I'm too dumb, Isaiah. You know, and, and you have then people like Ezekiel was part of a prophetic clan. So you have those kinds of folks who are, you know, some of the major major uh, prophets some of the minor prophets you would you would look at for example where am i here um, some of the minor prophets would be 
like uh, Joel, uh, Amos, Jonah, Obadiah, uh, Micah, Nahum, uh, Habakkuk. Uh, these are some of the minor prophets. Uh, some of it is because they just have just a little bit, like some of these are just like a page long. But Jonah was in the belly of the whale, right? Well, yeah, he was. <laughs> He's probably a, a, you know, a famous children's story. <laughs> yes. But he's a minor prophet. But he's huh? considered one of the, the minor, more of the minor prophets. Interesting. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, he, didn't have, he didn't have the same influence. And yet every single one of them all speak of covenant faithfulness. And this is a, the common theme that comes through. Uh, speak of of why you know the people are being punished um, and it's just that there's there's for, for any number of reasons for some of them anyway there's just not enough known about them but we do know that this was a probably part of a larger prophetic guild possibly uh, that they had swords yeah that they had um, some of these pieces of, of what they call pericopes or pieces of scripture uh, were probably parts of much larger books, but this is all that exists. Um, so we just we just don't know, and you know, and, and as these things were being sorted out, for example, we have a lot of Isaiah, Jeremiah, um, as they have discovered the scrolls. And you throw you think about some of this that maybe some of those scrolls still exist. You, you know, you just never know. You just never know. And that it, I, minor prophet could be a major prophet. Well, then. yeah, you know, I think about that sometimes that we've got like a minor prophet there and all of a sudden we find this massive scroll of just how influential influential a person may have been. You know, do they become a major prophet now or, or whatever? But so it's it's um, there's just a lot. There is as as with the Pentateuch, there is just an incredible breadth of, of literature that is part of this. And it's that literature that you know that put together by this Deuteronomic school uh, where they gathered what they could or what they had anyway and then you know come up with this form and format of, of, of telling the story within a particular framework mm -hmm. so okay profits profits who knew <laughs> yes all right well thank you very much we hope you enjoyed that and we will see you next time